Let me read this for us. Uh, The first 18 verses in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This, is, this, is, this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Uh, NFL football started last week. It's been a weird maybe begin to this season because there was no preseason and there's few, if any, fans in the stands depending on which game you're watching. Um, honestly, I haven't been crazy about football in the last few years. Um, my boys are getting into it. We like to watch the Vikings. Abel claims to be a Cowboys fan, which he's not. Yeah. No. We're Love you, bud. But because I'm a Vikings fan, I'm perpetually depressed, and he, he reminds me that the Vikings haven't won any Super Bowls regularly. But um, I'm, I'm always reminded when the football season starts how much time in my life I've devoted to, uh, to understanding rules and regulations and formations and offensive trends and coaching styles and all of that stuff. And, and I feel like if you were to sit down and talk with me about football, I'd be a pretty informed fan, and, and we'd have a good conversation. Um, uh, informed fans have the ability to talk well about, about football. We could probably even talk for hours. That may be a function of me just talking a lot and not really saying anything. But I'm sure that that's true for many of you as well. Like, you could sit down with something and talk for hours about it because you're passionate about it. Because if it's NFL football or it's cooking or it's photography or music like you pick the thing and you could talk about it for a long long time the beauty of what john does here in this at the beginning of his gospel the beauty of what he does here is that he gives us the right way to talk about jesus and and i think that if we meditate on what we read here in john chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 if we meditated on it regularly, at length, we would find ourselves able to talk about Jesus for hours and hours. Because I think what's contained here is plenty of content for us to discuss hours upon hours 
And not only that, but what's contained here is enough for us to discuss about the king of the universe, Jesus Christ, for all of eternity. And so by devoting ourselves to the studying of this this gospel, this book, we're devoting ourselves to a lifelong love and pursuit of Jesus Christ. Last week I said that when we looked at the first two verses, we said that Jesus is the hero of John's John's gospel. And again, John makes it clear, even in those first two verses, that we should regard Jesus as the hero of all of the scriptures, not just not just the, 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 his gospel, but all of the scriptures. Because whenever God expresses himself, in the beginning of the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, anytime God expresses himself, Jesus Christ is there. So we take the Old Testament to be God's word given to his people. Jesus Christ is there. And he has to be then the hero of all of the scriptures. There is no other, other options. I don't know what comes to mind when you think about Jesus. There's a guy in a robe with a beard, first century Palestinian standard. You know what I'm saying. But in the first five verses, John is really challenging us to a bigger view of who Jesus Christ is. He wants us to see more than just what we, what we would regard as, as a man who lived 2,000 years ago. He gives us the way to talk about Jesus rather than just a guy who probably wore a robe and had a beard. And these verses are set up for or set us up for the rest of the book and are written in such a way that are gonna it's gonna whet our appetite for, for Jesus, for more of him throughout the rest of the book. Uh, starting the book, John does this. He's He's writing a story. He's telling us a story. And he starts the book and he introduces his main character to us, who is Jesus. And he introduces him as always existing. He introduces us to him who is all powerful, who is in the presence of God, who is himself all powerful, all knowing, who's sovereign, who's unchanging and eternal. And then who is himself also all powerful all-knowing, sovereign, unchanging. This Jesus made everything from nothing, including all of life and light. And, And if we read this, if we look at these first five verses, that's compelling. That's a compelling picture of, he is talking about an individual. He is talking about someone. When he says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Ancient mythologies hint on, hint on this all of the time. They're always hinting at it. We've got Zeus and Hercules and Thor and Odin and all of these, even modern day mythologies like Superman, hinting on these ideas, these ideas of all-powerful, all-knowing, unchanging. But what John writes here is so much more compelling than those portraits. Because Jesus has no rival. He has no foil. Jesus is the hero. And when we are introduced to him right here, we should be thinking to ourselves, this is the one who has come to undo the very thing that could undo us. And so when we think about verses 3 through 5, if you look at them in your Bible, when we think about them, 
But you consider that John is outlining Jesus' resume. He's giving to us Jesus' resume. He's saying this is what is on Jesus' resume. Um, who, what do you think about who has a, a pretty substantial resume if we think about people in the world? The person that comes immediately to my mind is, is Elon Musk. He's in the news all the time now, um, and I think that his resume sounds pretty compelling. If you don't know who Elon Musk is, here's his, the opening paragraph of his Wikipedia page. Elon Musk is a business magnate. Don't know what that is, but that sounds impressive. Elon Musk is a business magnate, industrial designer, engineer, and philanthropist. He is the founder, CEO, CTO, and chief designer of SpaceX, early investor, CEO, and product architect of Tesla Inc., founder of The Boring Company, co-founder of Neuralink, and co-founder of and, and initial co-chairman of OpenAI. He was elected a fellow of the Royal Society in 2018. In 2018, he was ranked 25th on Forbes' list of the most, world's most powerful people and was ranked joint first on the Forbes list of the most innovative leaders of 2019. As of, as of September 2nd, 2020, his net worth was estimated by Forbes to be $93.3 billion, making him the fifth richest person in the world. He's also the longest tenured CEO of any automotive manufacturer globally. That's an impressive resume and if you told me that was tony stark and that and that this was iron man i would be like yeah that's probably that's probably right because it sounds so impressive it almost sounds mythological by today's standards by the standards which we apply but the reality here is that the first five verses of john's gospel giving us jesus resume jesus's resume devastates elon musk's because the three things that he talks about. Uh, he has always existed. He has perfect communion with God and he is God. And in verses 3 through 5, we find three more reasons why Jesus is worthy of our worship and full attention and focus. And these are the ways that we're going to consider this, these three verses together this morning. Jesus is, one, first, the agency of creation. Secondly, he is the source of all life. And third, he is the revelation of redemption. So look at verse 3 with me. Jesus is the agency of creation. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Uh, Jesus stands behind all of creation, all of it. God spoke into crea creation into existence with a word, and Jesus Christ is God's word. Jesus Christ is God's self-expression. We're going to use the word agency. I like this word here because, uh, not because of the way that we think about it. Oftentimes we think about it like insurance agent or CIA agent. But what, what's being expressed here, and I think a good definition of the term agency is a person or a thing that takes an active role or produces a specified effect. So Jesus uh, is the person that takes an active role in creation, producing a specified effect, which is everything from nothing. That's the specified effect that Jesus 
has. To say that Jesus is the agency of creation is to say that Jesus is the person who actively creates everything. That Hebrews text that Julia read a few minutes ago, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus is God's word, and God's creative work happens through Jesus. And so in verse 3, John says it two ways to ensure that we get what's being communicated. He actually takes time to say it, and then he turns it on its head and says it backwards also, so that we get it. He's reiterating here for emphasis. First, he writes, all things were made through him, but before you say, yeah, but what about this or that? John says, and without him was not anything made that was made. Just so the objection that rises up, you're like, well, that thing over there, this thing over here, those clearly fall outside of that, right? And And John says, no. And without him was not anything made that was made. That's meant to be all-encompassing. That's why he repeats himself, backs it up. He says, everything was made through Jesus. Nothing was made without Jesus. Everything that exists, exists because of Jesus. And nothing is that is, nothing is that is not because of who Jesus is. D.A. Carson, a biblical scholar, he chooses to translate this verse a bit differently, but I think that it captures the idea really well. He says, All things were made by him, and what was made was in no way made without him. The point here, I think, is that you can't circumvent Jesus. You can't get around Jesus. Everything that we touch, everything that we do, every action that we take, we can't get around him. John sets a big roadblock. If we're just walking down the road and doing our thing by ourselves, verses 1 through 5 are a big roadblock that says, here is the the thing that you can't circumvent in this life. Jesus Christ. Uh, In contrast, if we think about Elon Musk, I, I may never, probably will never get in a SpaceX rocket. Um, I probably won't own a Tesla. I can circumvent Elon Musk's agency. Elon Musk needs employees and facilities. Elon Musk is only worth $100 billion. Elon Musk doesn't have the power to make a Tesla out of nothing. He has to have resources. He has no power to make his heart beat, apart from some machine. He has no power to make his toenails grow. I can circumvent, I can get around those things in my life. I cannot get around the person of Jesus Christ. I can't get around his agency. Everything that is, is because it came to be through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's wealth and worth is the known universe. Everything that's included in it and infinitely more. Through him everything was made. That means it's his. And he has claim on all of it. Through Jesus Christ, God's word, everything that is, is, and it came out of nothing. 
every one of our hearts in this room is beating because of Jesus Christ. Every one of us in our room, these, our toenails are growing because Jesus says they will. Hebrews 1.3 says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, the second thing we find here is that Jesus is the source of all life. Jesus is the source of all life. Certainly this idea flows out of the understanding that Jesus is the agency of creation. But John wants us to see, and we're going to see throughout our time in John's gospel, he wants us to see that life has more than simply phys- or life is more than simply physical existence. John's gospel has 40 plus references to life, more than two per chapter. That's nearly two times as many than any, uh, than any other New Testament book. And the life that John writes about, nearly every instance, has to do with a life that extends beyond just our physical existence, beyond just the beating of our hearts and the neurons that are firing. Right there at the beginning of verse 4, we see it. In him was life. And, And Jesus creates all of life. And so we can say that Jesus is the source of all life in a physical sense. And I think we get that. I think that idea is something we can get our heads around. But for John, it extends beyond that. Jesus is such a deep well of life that he can offer you and I life that doesn't end. And we need to see that this is the vision that Jesus has when he talks about life. Because again, in our society, we've reduced life to just this physical existence or a physical state. We all know that our our bodies need physical water to survive. We can't go very long without water. And yet Jesus speaks of water that he can give that will sustain our life far beyond our current body breaks down. In the woman at the well, when, John, or when Jesus will interact with the woman at the well, John records it in chapter 4, and he says, The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's more than just the water that you need to drink to stay alive. Our physical bodies need food to survive, but Jesus talks about food that he can provide that will provide eternal sustenance for us. John 6, 27, this is in the middle of a discourse called the Bread of Life Discourse, where Jesus claims to be the bread of life. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. So Jesus says he's the living water. He says he's the bread of life. He is the source of life. You probably got up this morning. You probably ate breakfast. It's, we're getting to lunchtime. If you didn't eat breakfast, you'll eat lunch soon. Again, you need food and water to survive. But the fact of the matter is that you also will need to go to the grocery store because your pantry and your fridge, they're only so big, they can only hold so much. Stuff is perishable. You're going to forget an ingredient for dinner tonight. And you're going to have to go to the grocery store. And the grocery store is going to have to restock their shelves. They're going to have to restock their shelves and food distributors are going to have to ship more food and the farms will need to grow more food and the supply and demand will rise and fall and all of this is susceptible to everything that goes on in the world, all of the elements, hailstorms and wildfires and 
fuel costs and distribution methods. You get the idea. Jesus Christ is the source of all life. All of these things have to fall in place for us to get the food that we, we need. But Jesus Christ offers us life that will never run out. He is not reliant on anything outside of himself to provide and sustain all creative life. And But even more than that, Jesus has within him the ability to give life in such abundance that even eternity cannot touch the infinite storehouses of life that he holds. John 10, 10, Jesus will say this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life looks like a well springing up to eternal life that will never run dry for eternity future. So Jesus is the revelation of redemption. This is the next point. Jesus is the agency of creation. He is the source of life, but then he is the revelation of redemption. And so the question becomes, that flows out of this, and John even begins to address it right here in these first five verses, is how do we become the beneficiaries of Jesus as the source of this everlasting life that he came to bring in abundance? Look at verse 4 again, right? The second half of it. It says, And the life was the light of men. In him was the life, and, or in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is going to refer to himself as the life in a couple, a couple of times throughout John's gospel. One in chapter 11, he's going to say that he is the resurrection and life. And then in chapter 14, he's going to say that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And since Jesus is the source of all life, Jesus, he says, is the life. And he is then the light of men. So what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the light of men? Well, two things. First, again, Jesus being the agency of creation, he creates everything, including the light. If we go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 1, we see that, that God creates. Jesus is God's sovereign self-expression. God creates these celestial beings by which we have light that we operate throughout the day so we're not tripping on things and stepping on Legos. The, the reality is that Jesus is the way in which these things come into existence. Light is a key component in creation. Day and night, sun, moon, and stars. You get the idea. But secondly, we're going to find out throughout John's gospel that light refers to the revelation of redemption. Here's to say, how is God going to redeem a people for himself? How do we become the beneficiaries of this life that Jesus comes to bring so abundantly? The answer is through Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel. Prior to Jesus Christ, if we read the Old Testament, we see, we see that God promises to his people that he is going to redeem them. They didn't fully understand like how or when or who or what is all that going to look like. But in Jesus Christ, all of that becomes fully evident. If, if you go, if think back to the beginning of 2020, which I know is hard, but if we go all the way back, we explored the first 11 chapters of Genesis uh, 1, yeah, Genesis. And in chapter 3, uh, sin enters the world when Eve is deceived by the serpent. 
Adam goes along with it, willfully obeying what God tells him not to do, which is to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then after that event happens, God pronounces curses. And the first creature to be cursed is the serpent who deceived Eve. And he says that he's going to, God says this, he says that in the future, he's going to end the tyranny of sin brought on by the serpent's deception. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is a promise that what was brought into the world through the disobedience of Adam would ultimately be undone by someone else in the future. The way that it would be undone is through Jesus Christ. And now time goes on. If we trace the the arc of the story of the Old Testament, we, we see that God revisits and reveals a bit more of these promises to Noah and then to Abraham and then to Moses and then to David. They receive more information about how God will redeem his people. But when Jesus arrives on the scene, the plan then comes to full light. There's not any more that needs to be communicated because in Christ we find the full revelation of redemption. Jesus comes into the world to deal with the curse of sin, to crush the head of the serpent, and to take that sin upon himself and to end death that reigned among men. And so Jesus shines as the true light. God's plan to redeem his people finds its complete and final expression in Jesus Christ. That won't be opposed. That plan will not be opposed. Light shines in the darkness, and John says, the darkness has not overcome it. God's redemptive plan can't be stopped because of the one in whom the plan will be carried out, Jesus Christ. Jesus then would die in our place so that we might be forgiven of our sin and would be raised so that we can have certainty that we will live eternally. So these three verses, right? We find these three things to be true. Jesus is the agency of creation. Jesus is the source of all life. And Jesus is the revelation of redemption. So in conclusion then, would you just do one thing this week uh, out of this text, especially these first five verses, would you consider uh, what is written here and just marinate in it? Just think about how Jesus is is these things and how this makes up his resume, an unmatched and unopposed resume that Jesus has. Because if Jesus is who John says he is here in verses 1 through 5, could you reasonably make your, not make your whole life about him? Could you reasonably not make your whole life about Jesus Christ? If this is true, if what John writes is true, how could we possibly make our lives about anything other than the person of Jesus Christ? This is at the heart of worship. Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise because what is stated here in these five verses is true about who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is fully deserving of all of our time and attention. If this is his resume, why would we spend our time 
focusing on lesser heroes. If Elon Musk came to you and offered you half of his net worth, $50 billion, which is like, here's $50 billion. I'm going to give you also a share in everything I make for the rest of my life. Um, and, and why don't we just grab dinner later? I'd, I think you're an interesting person if he said that to you. And there's no catch. We, <laughs> would you do it? I, I would. I would do that. Jesus, the uncreated source of all life in the light of men, offers you infinitely more. Not because he's giving you money or material, but because he's giving you himself. An, an infinitely deep well of intimacy with him. Eternal life of which he is the source. Jesus offers you treasure that doesn't tarnish, that doesn't rust, that doesn't break down. He offers you garments that don't tear at the seams, that don't, that don't get eaten by moths. He offers you bread that doesn't get moldy or stale, or weird, crunchy. He offers you water that ends your thirst. And he offers these things to you because he offers you himself. This Jesus is worthy of our praise. His resume is unmatched. He is our life, and he is our salvation.